as Christians. Uh, we started this morning early with uh, some spring showers and a few claps of thunder. We like to see it rain, but it seems we all have an opinion. Either we get too much rain, not enough rain, or it rained at the wrong time. But we all agree that rain makes everything come to life and we'll really take what we get because there's not much we can do about it anyway. God, God really didn't consult us on when and how much rain we get. So again, we'll just take what we get and give thanks. I know the last couple of weeks seems like there's so many things in this world that have just gone so wrong. So many people hurting, you know, because of these tragedies. And it makes us ask that, that same age-old question that how can, how can God allow so many bad things to happen to good people? Well, we need, we need to remember that God, God's not the author of confusion. And that God is light. And in Him is no, there is no darkness. You know, we need to remember that God created man with that gift of free will. Sometimes we wonder if free will, if it's a blessing or whether it's a curse. But we always need to remember that Satan is going to use that trait of free will against us every opportunity he gets. And that's gonna lead us into our lesson tonight. And the title of it being, Who Can You Blame If You're Lost? It seems that people, they always want to pass the buck. It's a favorite phrase, especially, you know, you hear it in politics. You know, they want to blame everyone and anything they can just so long as we don't blame them or us. You know, kids are good at this. Someone gets hurt, something gets broken. What do they do? Try to blame it on the brother or sister or another person. Blame it on the dog or even the cat. And when we do this just as well, you know, if we burn dinner, we want to blame it. Maybe the kids were distracting us. When we misplace something and can't find it, we want to blame the other person or the kids for hiding it from us. You know, again, we do this in politics also. No one wants to be the blame. So they're always pointing fingers at someone else. And many times they find a scapegoat to get the attention off of themselves. The main question I want to look at this evening is, again, who can you blame if you're lost spiritually? First off, we need to recognize there's, there's only two groups of people today those that are saved and those that are lost. Jesus describes it this way in Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So basically, 
there's two roads a person can take in life. You're either on the narrow, difficult road that leads to heaven, or you're on the wide road that leads to destruction. Jesus also makes it clear that few will find themselves on that narrow road. And this is not really an unreasonable statement when you consider the billions of people who do not do not know God or obey God's perfect will. Even when we look at our own nation, the percentage of those who know God and who obey His word without you know, adding or taking away from it are getting fewer and fewer. This means that thousands, millions, or even billions of people are going to be lost. But again, that, the question becomes, who are they going to be blaming or who are they going to blame because they're lost? Well, they can't blame God. From the beginning of time, before God even made humans or mankind, He was making it possible for us to be saved. We get this idea from what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and kept going through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. As you can see, it's always been God's plan that we be able to be saved. For instance, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, he loved them and set up the most perfect paradise for them to live in. He let them have access to every single thing in the garden except one tree. Now, if God had wanted to be unfair from our perspective, he could have gave them only one tree to eat from and made everything else off limits. But that's not what he did. We know that Eve, with a little encouragement from Satan, chose of her own free will to eat of the tree and offer it to Adam. Adam took it on his own free will also and ate of it. And they found themselves kicked out of paradise. And now they would no longer live forever in the garden. And now would eventually die. But even after Adam and Eve disobeyed God's word, he still showed his desire for their salvation. As he gave us his, our first glimpse that he would be sending his son to Jesus to the earth for all mankind. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his, bruise his heel. If God had not cared about our salvation, 
He would have simply destroyed Adam and Eve. And you and I would not be here today. If God did not care about us, he would not have loved us enough to create us with free will. Now, as the human race began to multiply, unfortunately, the mass majority of them decided to turn their back on God, and they turned to sin. Mankind had become so corrupt that God said in Genesis 6-6, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. So God brought forth a flood that destroyed everything except eight righteous souls and the animals he preserved on the ark. Again, we see God's desire to save his creation because in the almost or 100 plus years that Noah was building the ark, he was also preaching, trying to warn people to turn away from their sin. But no one listened or cared except Noah. We don't know how many people died in the flood but out of the whole world of that time, only Noah and his family were saved. From Noah's son, Shem, God began a special race, the Hebrew race, which of course included Adam. God made the following promise to Adam in Genesis 12:2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God had chosen this special nation to be his people, and he did everything he could to make sure his new nation would honor the covenant that they had made with him. He gave them a great leader, Moses. And he divided the children of Israel into tribes. And he made the Levite tribe to be in charge of helping the people to maintain spiritual faithfulness. He gave them everything they needed to know to be pleasing to him. He gave them an exact pattern to follow so that they would know how to build a tabernacle from which they could offer up all kinds of offerings and sacrifices for their sins. He gave them a special law to follow that would guide them to the pathway of righteousness. But they continually turned their backs on God and sought sin and idolatry. However, this didn't stop God from showing his love for their salvation. He sent many prophets to teach and to warn them but the majority of the people sadly continued in their sinful ways. Even when God punished his people for their sinful ways, they still had opportunity to repent and get back right with God. 
even though his special nation was constantly rebelling, again, God sent prophets to foretell the coming of the Messiah that would save those who would obey him. Even though 10 of the 12 tribes became so evil that God gave them up to the world, he was still able to preserve the tribe of Judah from which the Savior would come. As you can see, God was very concerned about us finding salvation. Jesus tells us why in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, God's love is what motivates him to save the lost. Paul and Peter both let us know just how much God wants us to be saved and not lost. 1 Timothy 2.3 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Also in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, this is why God wanted his, his word proclaimed to all the world. Because he wants everyone to be saved and have eternal life in heaven. Because his word is the power of God to salvation, Romans 1.16. So there's no way... There's no way that you can blame God for being lost. You know, another that can't be blamed is Jesus. He can't be blamed because he did not leave one stone unturned to make salvation possible. Jesus left his heavenly home to become flesh. He went from riches to poverty. 2 Corinthians 8 9, 8 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Why did Jesus give up all these riches to become poor? Was it because he wanted to take a vacation from heaven? or to simply experience what it might be like to be human. No. His whole purpose for coming to this earth was to provide salvation for all of mankind. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Knowing that this was Jesus' mission, how in the world could anyone ever point their finger to Christ and blame him because they're lost? Every step he took, every pain he suffered, was motivated by love for a lost 
humanity. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, Jesus, Jesus loved us and wants everyone to be saved and it wants us to find rest for our souls in heaven. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all of you who labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, does that sound like someone who doesn't care? whether you're lost or saved? Of course not. You know, Jesus loves every one of us and wants us all to obey his word and to be saved. This is why he endured the cross for us and was raised from the dead. It's why his apostles went around proclaiming his death, burial, and resurrection and teaching them everything that Jesus had told them so that both Jew and Gentile could be saved and become part of that church that Jesus built. Everything that Jesus did while he was on this earth can be summed up with Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So no, no one can point a finger at Christ and blame him because they're lost. You can't blame the Holy Spirit either. We may spend several hours studying the Holy, you know, scripture about the Holy Spirit and then declare that there are many things that we didn't understand about him. But there's one thing that's crystal clear. The Holy Spirit is one of the Godhead and is concerned about our, the salvation of mankind. As Jesus made preparations to die and to return to his Father, he promised the apostles the coming of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you re remembrance all things that I have said to you. One of the last things that Jesus said to his apostles before ascending was about the promise of the Holy Spirit. You know, Acts 1.5 says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then verse 80 continues with, But you, you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now sure enough, just as Jesus promised in Acts 2, chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where the apostles were sitting. This brought a large crowd crowd came together where Peter and the other apostles preached the gospel 
for the very first time. All the nations represented could understand them in their own language because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It was because of this help of the Holy Spirit that made it a successful day for the salvation of 3,000 souls that received the message that day with gladness and were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. That day would have never come and the church would have never begun if the Holy Spirit had not come as promised. So no, no one can blame the Holy Spirit because they're lost. Of course, the Holy Spirit's work, it doesn't end with it's just, just that one event. It continues on throughout and the spreading of the gospel to the whole world. When Jesus sent his apostles out to make disciples by baptizing them, he commanded them to, be, to them to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Matthew 28, 19. This command shows us that the Holy Spirit is interested in our salvation. We can also see his interest in our salvation. In fact, he guided the authors of the Bible on what to write. This is so that we can, we can know what we must do to be saved and to be pleasing to God. See, Peter, Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20, verse 21, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.12, now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we may know the things that have been freely given us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And finally Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How could we ever know about the Savior how could we ever know about the gospel? And how could we know how to obey God without the work of the Holy Spirit? We can't. And so it would be easy for us to see he has made every effort to give us everything that we need to be saved. Notice this great invitation that was given by Jesus and the Spirit in Revelation 22:17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him, him 
who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So no, there's no way we can blame the Holy Spirit if we're lost. I think a lot of us here are old enough to remember, you know, Flip Wilson used to always say, the devil made me do it. You know, some people want to blame the devil for, be, for us being lost. And there's, there's probably some truth to that. Because the devil does go around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour, as said in 1 Peter 5, 8. But we need to understand that, just like with God, you know, we have a choice. We have a choice whether we'll listen to the devil. He can't force us to serve him. Just like in the Garden of Eden. You know, the devil didn't force Eve to eat from the forbidden tree. All he had to do was tempt her. So the conclusion in this, the only person that you can blame for being lost is ourselves. If we've received God's full instruction on how to be saved in His Word, so if we've received it, so there's no excuse, and we can't plead ignorance. Acts 17.30 says, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. You know, the scripture also makes it clear that even if someone doesn't know God at all, they will, they're not going to escape judgment. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You know, another great passage that shows that we can't be forced, we just can't be forced to go down that wide road that leads to destruction. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. The temptation that we face in life, they can all be overcome. Which means that no one, including Satan, can force us to be lost. You know, James describes the process of sin 
I think, very well. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, he gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Notice you can't blame God because you can only blame yourself for being lost. Because when you sin, it's because of that it's because of our own free will. While it's true that Brothers and sisters in Christ are, are to help one another to remain faithful. In the end, we are solely responsible for our souls. Now Paul says in Philippians 2.12, 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And when judgment days, when it comes, we're all going to stand before Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 And we'll be judged by what we did and how we obeyed the word of God. You know, we have to make we have to make that choice. Will I be lost or will I be saved? Jesus makes it clear that there is only one way to find your to way to find yourself on that narrow road that leads to heaven. Matthew 7:21, one of my favorite scriptures, 21 through 27. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work or practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So there we have it. The only person we can blame for being lost and for being on that wide road that leads to destruction is ourselves. The question becomes, if you're lost, what are you going to do about it? 
Are you going to remain on that wide road? Or are you going to decide that you're no longer going to follow Satan? You know, we can make that decision tonight to start following God and to live our lives according to his word so that we can be one of the few who will enter in at that narrow gate. You know, when God brought that flood out of the whole earth, only Noah's family was saved. In the second coming, how many are going to be saved? You know, it won't be easy, but it can be done. And we all, we all truly hope and pray that if anyone's lost, that they obey the gospel call so that we wouldn't suffer that same fate as Satan and his angels. You know, the Bible, it, it speaks very plainly on what it takes to become a Christian and to begin that journey on that narrow path. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Luke 13.3 says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. Romans 10.9 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Acts 22.16 says, And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And obeying these commands, that puts us back on that narrow path. But we must continue to stay on that path by living faithful lives unto God. And when we do, Jesus makes this promise. Revelation 2.10 says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. You know, I can't stress that enough. That if we choose to love God enough to obey His commands, then we have that promise of heaven. But if we if we don't, if we if we die, if we die in a lost state, there's not going to be anybody that you can blame except yourself. You know, we always. And I, I do this every time. I like to state it this way, that we always extend the opportunity to anyone who ever decides at any point in time to obey the gospel. And it's not just, you know, we, we offer that at the end of every service, every time we come together. But I know anybody that gets up here says the same thing. Doug said it over and over. 
that opportunity, that offer is extended 24-7. There's always somebody we can get hold of. You know, we're supposed to share our trials with each other. We're supposed to confess our sins to each other. That's the only way we can know to help each other when people are going through trying times. I know different people are created different. Some people keep things inside. Others are just free flowing. And, but we all need to remember that we're God's family and we don't desire anybody anybody to be lost so if any if you have that needs any needs of the church or make that decision to be baptized just remember we always extend that opportunity we want to extend that now as we stand and sing <laughs>